0: Fantasy football season is upon us, and due to quarantine, you know the line. It's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped partner with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving The same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Seth and I arguing about running backs in today's show. They have the Lawnmower 3.0. It's the best hygiene tool for the modern man. And because of their ceramic blades and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. It is the... Wait for it. Hold for applause. Perfect protection needed for your franchise quarterback. And here's what we can do for you here with uh, with Time Zars in partnership with Manscaped. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which adds a $39 value to your purchase, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20, all one word, all lowercase. That's the number two, number zero. It's time to boost your hygiene and do it with Manscaped.
1: All right, everybody working up. Everybody's
2: working with that time jersey.
0: The 2020 NFL season has officially begun and guys, I I just like I realized this last night, somebody should have told the Texans. I just I feel like they should have known they thought it was the first preseason game. There weren't that many fans in the stands. That probably added to it. And I just honestly, I'm thinking we might need to just kind of run back yesterday's game and and give the Texans a fair shot because it ultimately didn't ever feel like that big and scary of a deal we'll be talking about the fact that the chiefs won their first game of the season here on today's episode of Time ours on the athletic i'm joshua briscoe to be joined by the loud typing nate taylor and <laughs> the uh reason that we do this show at 7 a.m now seth kaiser guys you can fight uh, nate i know your voice right now is in you're you're in morning voice podcasting mode which is a treat i want the audience to get to hear
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, (laughs) What the? I'm very little sleep. Uh, I am not typing right now. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, uh, is Seth typing today?
2: Oh, you could hear that?
1: Yep. I heard typing, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Oh, boy. I formally apologize. See, my my article on TheAthletic.com, a lovely website and app you should check out, is, is already up, so I don't. I don't need to type. I I just, I'm just going to talk right from the head and understand that <laughs> I watched a football game and that was bizarre. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, who, who, who could have seen the chiefs just, I mean, kicking it into, you know, their normal rhythm in the second quarter, um, making Deshaun Watson be Superman at the same time while also uh, just being around a complete, chaos of an offensive line at at several moments and Clyde Edwards Alaire, he's a star kids we can finally say it we can finally say that hey maybe the Chiefs got their first round draft pick correct we will talk about that and
0: frankly we should probably just start there uh Seth do you have anything you'd like to say before we formally open that part of the conversation
2: I just want to say that I really appreciate uh, you guys being willing to work around my my work schedule. You know, there's a there's a, there's a lot that goes into to work, and and you guys are just awesome for being willing to do this so early in the morning. And uh, you know, everyone, no matter what Josh and I say to each other in the next forty minutes, just know I'm gonna be pissed about the time regardless. Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> just no. That, uh, yeah, well, Josh is going to be angry about the time regardless. <laughs> and also know that we're all friends here. And that we agree more than we disagree. And, you know, whether or not anyone was Right or wrong really isn't that important. Oh, it's gonna get
0: really annoying. It's gonna and get so annoying. So you're gonna sound you're gonna sound like thirty percent better than Chris Collinsworth saying the Texans won the DeAndre Hopkins trade after the first quarter. Like that's what we're doing. That's <laughs> sure, what we're at. at, at you gotta, you
1: gotta, so with, you gotta get that, that light off as soon as possible. Oh yeah, <laughs> that budget. was bad.
2: That was just like come on, guys. The production um, no.
1: crew was <laughs> like, Chris, say it. Say
2: it he scored he scored. He scored. Say it, say it. Say it.
1: <laughs> yeah. say it. That was
2: just that was so bad. If I if I were if I were going to say one thing just in case we don't circle back around to it because there's so much to talk about because football oh it's so great. Um, I'm at my office now so I can't scream it like I was can't the other yet. day. Yep. Um, so uh, I don't I hate garbage time scoring and the way it affects the way people view the game. Because I got someone in my mentions right now going like, man, you know, Brett Veach ignores the cornerback and the linebacker positions, and they matter. And I'm just like, man, it was 31-7. to They obliterated them until a couple of meaningless touchdowns. Like, can you? <laughs> it just drives me crazy that that game should rightfully have been not what it was. But what are you going to do? I'm excited. They just obliterated a team that's supposed to kind of be a contender in the AFC. It didn't even look hard. So mm-hmm. that's some, that's my ultimate takeaway from that game. And
0: I do think there's a lot to talk about in those at corner and linebacker because of guys we did and didn't see and injuries that did and didn't happen. We're, we know Traverius Ward fractured his hand. Colin Saunders uh, dislocated his elbow. Alex Okafor has a hamstring. Obviously, Ward Ward is clearly the headliner of those because he's the best player at a very thin position for the Chiefs. Um, but we can we can talk about we can go defense first if you want to eat your vegetables and save Clyde for for halftime of the podcast. Because uh, honestly, I was I was really impressed by the defense through the first three quarters. The fourth quarter injuries were a factor, and you're right. I mean they. I don't know if it was garbage time, but it was very much like last efforts that never really felt close because you knew the offense on the other side. But if I, even if I give you that, what I would say is through the first three quarters, not that the fourth quarter was terribly different, but for the first three quarters, especially the chiefs made the Texans offense look totally pedestrian and it, it, even though we can acknowledge like they got older and worse talent wise around uh, Deshaun Watson this off season, like they still have Deshaun Watson. I, I felt like that was a pretty big accomplishment. Nate, would you concur as one
1: of three people legally allowed to be in the press box for this game? <laughs> um, yeah. Quick, quick update on that. So I wore my mask um, both in the parking lot and in the press box um, all of last night, as did all of my colleagues and peers um, in the press box. So, you know, it, it was it was an odd scene. It was an odd setting. You, you, it's going to take time for everybody to get used to it, but I thought we all did a good job, as did most fans. Um, you know, most fans wore their masks. I, I don't know if that's, an, you know, a, that could be attributed to the two, you know, training camp practices at Arrowhead Stadium to get some season ticket fans sort of uh, adjusting to, like, Whatever the new normal is. Uh but I, I feel like the Texans could still win the AFC South. Uh, our buddy Aaron Reese, who covers the Texans for the athletic. Um the league was just like, hey guys, the first two weeks you're gonna lose. It's Chiefs and then Ravens, <laughs> and then your season can start. Uh so these are like right. their first two preseason games, honestly. Um uh, I I just get the sense that this team in regards to the chiefs was one professional in everything they did. And they only from a defensive standpoint had one breakdown and that was because luxurious need had not tackled anybody yet in the NFL kids. And Oh, there goes David Johnson. Like it's, it happens quick and luxurious need adjusted at such a fast rate that I was, I'm just truly marveling because again, there was no preseason games again. Like, hey, go cover, you know, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, um, with the idea that Deshaun Watson is going to scramble around. But they had one breakdown on defense, essentially, and then the offense was completely surgical at all the things that you quote-unquote kind of label. You know, the Chiefs aren't, like, top of the world great at. Um, Whether that's running from the interior, whether that's doing more timing rounds other than, you know, Patrick improvisational skills being otherworldly, and Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Michael Hartman just being faster than everybody. Um, and the offensive line, I think, is a story that people will not acknowledge a ton just because Clyde Edwards-Oliver looks so good. But like, oh, that someone o- will. That that offensive line was not like I've seen Colletti Simley play. Been a minute since it was oh. ever this good, and. Mm-hmm. Did anybody hear Andrew Wiley's name last night? Because he was healthy. Um, mm-hmm. If that offensive line performs that well against the Texans' best part of their defensive unit, if they perform like this for the majority of the next 15 games, Lord willing, then this offense is going to be at a level that is um, is is terrifying for the rest of the league because they just did all the things... In a professional manner where you didn't need the, not over the top, but you didn't need the spectacular highlight to score a comfortable 34 points. And that's, in and an Andy Reid offense that is so predicated on creativity and explosions, uh, they knifed the Texans for four hours. Just knifed them and knifed them and knifed them again. And um, the, the word I just think of is they were professional at being surgical at just winning the football game in a very in a very just like not whole hum manner but in a very like you know i i, I mean I, they, they said we can play coach right they said they said this, this game's live mm-hmm. this game's live all right oh, okay <laughs> well, let's, let's we just gonna go out here and just you know handle handle the business all right business is gonna get handled coach i mean they're they were just very they're very mm-hmm. professional in what they did it didn't obviously everything else felt like this season opener but that felt like a week 6 this team is just on our schedule and we're just going to go out and win mm-hmm. yeah
0: i think that's right and it like to the point that it, it was a weird energy for the first game of the season and like throughout the entire league where i found myself throughout, throughout almost the entire game like Being, I wasn't bored. That's not fair. But it, I I was relaxed. You know what I mean? Like I was just like taking notes and watching things and going like, "Ooh, that's that's interesting," or "Oh, that's nice," or "Ooh, that you know, whatever." Like it, 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 at no point was I ever like falling out of my chair either out of being. Like, amazed or unnerved by something, which again is okay. I just, we had, we had three of those games in a row that also, by the way, all had like playoff intensity and Super Bowl implications. Yep. And this game was just like, like a little little business trip inside Arrowhead. Had a few, had a few dozen people in the stands to watch it, drop a banner, and then drop 34 in a way that is like completely, that, that in no way felt like they're, most explosive but also in a game that never really felt in doubt Seth would you
2: concur with that I would concur with a lot of that um, it definitely felt weird it had kind of a preseason-y vibe to it um, you know which I think was kind of inevitable because we we as a species we're creatures of habit generally speaking and we're used to a certain pattern of things with football right we're used to the first nfl action we see all year really getting us hyped up and then after the first series or two we're like yeah okay we're ready for real football and it it's added to it that you know the stadium was only partly full i mean they still forced a uh a false start. That is forever going to be my and I story. Think two timeouts. I, I, that is forever going to be my story. I'm absolutely certain it didn't have anything to do with the crowd noise. But I. That you know what? I've. I don't care. That was crowd noise, baby. Arrowhead <laughs> at 22% capacity. Go off, Chiefs fans. Way to go. Um, I. It, it did have that feel, and it also. I think as a Chiefs fan, I. I, I commented to my sister before the game that like that same existential dread. That filled you before every game in previous years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really is gone. It was just yeah. like, because really, no matter what, they hoisted that Lombardi. <laughs> and for the next few years, it's just like, ah, yeah, man, I really hope they run it back and it'll be awesome if they do. Let's start a dynasty conversation. But there's no longer that like waiting for something terrible to happen and have it just yeah. kick you in the stomach. So that, that altered the feeling. And then plus, guys, the Chiefs are so much better than the Texans like they they blew three red zone opportunities was it I think three or four and they still put up 34 points and like mm-hmm. and they really they probably could have punched it in at the very end and I kind of wish they would have honestly because I hate garbage time points and I'm mad at Houston for putting them up and continuing to try I guess am I a fan of unwritten rules like, baseball's unwritten rules? Yeah, am I like... I mean, Are you unwritten uh, Yeah, I'm that guy, apparently. Oh, like, oh how man. dare you? No, it just more annoys me because of the narrative that you You're see later on. changing a lot in your old age. I it am, really yeah. I'm getting up there. Evident. Um, But yeah. it, it more just annoys me because then people look at final stats and, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, you know, Watson did have more yards per attempt than Mahomes. Like, guys, no.
1: No. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> hey, I, I... Hey, I, d- cut yeah. some... De- Deshaun... Yeah, Deshaun... <laughs> Deshaun needs to be praised. How many sacks did he avoid from Frank Clark? Oh, just like, Frank Clark. How, how, how did he do that? Ain't Freeze. nobody open, but man, how did he do that? Like- I man, Frank,
2: Frank Clark, if he ends up in purgatory or something, it's going to be him chasing around Deshaun Watson for eternity. Because, man, he just keeps going and just running after him and running after him. And he avoided four or five sacks. That offensive line... This is, this is a great example here. They improved the left tackle position in Houston, but it's a sum of the parts. And you can't be weak anywhere. And that right tackle was not ready for Frank Clark, like, even a little. And Chris Jones, hey, Josh, we agree on some things. It's and, nice
0: to have Chris Jones to remind us that we haven't always been this way.
2: Absolutely. And, I mean, seriously, the difference he makes on third downs is just so palpable, and that alone, even if Chris Jones didn't do anything else throughout a game except make the impact he makes on third downs, he'd still be worth almost what they paid him. Everything else is just a bonus, and so that, that really is the Chiefs, that, that all, all these things, so, you know, not to drag too far field, there's just so much football to talk about, but the, the, the business-like way, like you guys said, and they didn't really take a lot of shot plays, they re- you know, they threw the ball yeah, down the field. Neither team or- did for the record. Yeah, actually, they- both both teams talked
0: about that after the game. Also, just like no, they were not going to. Neither team was going to get beat by big plays downfield. Yeah,
2: and they 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 were they were conscientious of it. Mahomes just surgical took whatever they gave him. Had very few bad plays. The one bad throw he had, and at this point, I'm like conditioned to look for it. I mean, he had a couple bad throws, like inaccurate ones. But like the one, really, like what the crap is he doing? The the interception that got called back by a penalty. How many times... At this point, I'm just going to assume when Mahomes makes, an, Mahomes makes an inexplicable throw that there's a flag. I'm just going to assume it because it seems like it's like that every time because he'll make the throw. I'm like, yeah. what the crap? And I'll watch him gesturing. I'm like, oh, all right. Never mind. I don't know how he knows, but he knows. It was a business-like destruction. That was also on fourth down, right? Uh, maybe. I don't remember. I'm like 95% sure <laughs> that,
0: that was zone? on fourth yes. down. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that... Because I, I don't know, I haven't gotten to like watch from the quarterback view or whatever. But I don't think he could have known. I don't think that penalty happened until the ball was in the air. But it definitely could have. Yeah, I understand it, giving him the benefit of the doubt there. But the other thing is that he needed to throw it because it was fourth down, and it mattered very little if it was yeah. picked off or or incomplete or whatever.
2: Yeah, the ball had to get out. But yeah, the the business like nature. I'm trying to think of an, an apt comparison. But really, this was like a I I wrote um prior to the game this is the chiefs have a chance this year to become like the NFL's villain right they have a chance to become like mm-hmm. that team and i think they are for the texans now you want to know what team is living yes. inside texans fans heads right now it's the chiefs they and,
0: put the logo inside the super bowl ring <laughs> yes <laughs> i agree yes and so, you're right
2: <laughs> this this was a very much we are the best team in the world you're you know you're a playoff contender maybe if things go well even a super bowl contender and we're just going to dismantle you on national television and that's what they did it was an awesome 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 start um and i and i do think they're just getting started in terms of it definitely felt like a warm up in terms of some uh some of the ways that they that they they played the game it really felt like a weird game it's like you know what we're going to do we're going to run the ball 25 times and it's like well that seems different andy <laughs> but Mm-hmm. Okay, for now, as long as that's not what you do permanently, I guess. Well,
0: let's talk about that. And Nate, I'll go to you first because because uh, Seth handed off the talking stick there, much like the Chiefs handed off the football many, many times last night. Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets 25 carries for 138 yards, five and a half yards per carry, scores once on a really nice little run. Um, where he I, I he after the game only gave himself credit for beating one guy. I was willing to give him credit for two on that run. Um, but but uh, uh, the rookie debut there from Clyde, they also ran the ball seven times with Daryl Williams. Sammy Watkins had a, technically what was a carry. Anthony Sherman had a big one. We'll talk about that here in a second as well. But you look at, at what the Chiefs did in terms of balance and what they did in terms of Clyde Edwards-Alaire being the guy there, Nate. Uh, is that what you expected? Also noting that Clyde had zero receptions, mm. which I I would have taken the over on.
2: Yeah, wow, that was good.
1: that was crazy. Hey, hey, Anthony lid they're gonna throw the ball to Clyde, and <laughs> <laughs> there's still no tape of it. Like, there's literally yeah, it no still tape. Doesn't exist. Literally. Um, I I just just want just want to keep that in mind. Hey, hey, hey Coach mm. Lynn, very good coach. Um, shout out to all his um leadership on hard knocks they're going to probably throw the ball to Clyde in the second game. I, I just I just want to warn you on that. They got away with it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Houston uh, made a clear decision that, like, hey, man, that guy in the number 10 jersey, he be running nine routes or dangle routes <laughs> or corner post routes or, like, cr- deep cross routes. No, 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 no. So, like <laughs> – <laughs> so the Houston Texans make a you know a decision that is smart. Hey, I don't want to get dunked on y'all. Um, mm-hmm. and he just handed the ball over to Clyde, and it worked because one, Clyde performed better than I anticipated in terms of running the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there was definitely going to be more of a mix, Josh. I was sort of trying to tell you guys, you got to think of this dude as a receiver man because he looks so good in mm-hmm. training camp. Um, I did hear
0: that a lot this offseason, that they basically <laughs> drafted a receiver who got 25 carries and no receptions <laughs> in the first game. It's a small sample size, Nate, but it's what we've got.
1: It, it's what we've got. Hey, you know, it's just he had a 106 rushing yards after contact, according to Pro mm. Football Focus. Mm. Um, you know, it's just that he had the best debut for an NFL rookie running back since, I don't know, Kareem Hunt was in the same uniform, basically, uh, three years ago. Hey, I mean, you know, just, yeah. Uh, the idea that they could basically run Zones runs and he already has the correct vision as to where to go with the football or like, okay, that that, that lane looks not like for me. I, I'm going to go this lane. I'm going to spin this way. I'm going to quick hop this way. Um, Mr. Reed, number 20. Like... <laughs> I, I disappeared and I'm in the end zone and I'm sorry for your loss. Like, like, it's it it was it was really really good to the point that, um, I think for any NFL rookie that does well in the in the opening week of this season, you know, on Sunday and around the league, we should literally give them Olympic gold medals because. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple drives it was like yep that's a rookie who hasn't played in an nfl game and by the mm-hmm. second quarter by halftime it was like okay that's one of the better running backs in the nfl like you just you 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 credit the chiefs for saying like hey maybe the first qu- maybe the first quarter looks a little rough cuz we're just trying to get this guy in rhythm we're trying to get ourselves back into like what we used to be um, when we last played in the super bowl and all of that really worked in the second quarter When Andy Reid was basically like Let's play football as if this was 1995 Just hand <laughs> it off Versus second down Let's see what third down's gonna be boys Hey they, we, 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 we ain't seen third down yet We ain't seen third down Do they know we have the best quarterback in the league? Keep handing it off, E.B. It's (laughs) your drive. (laughs) Like, what? Like, and Eric Bittemey's like, Mm mm-hmm. Got all the runs. All of them. (laughs) They ran the Houston Texans to death, ladies and gentlemen. Like, who saw this coming in the opener? Uh, Not me. Not me. Also not me.
2: (laughs) Um. I I saw people mentioning you know and, and everyone is conspiracy theorists and stuff and you know a lot of people just like man it feels like Andy Reid is just flexing on national television right now just to like say to the rest of the league like hey um what's the whole uh you know the happy learned how to putt moment it's just like hey uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. hey 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 guess what you know those those light boxes that we were actually really bad at running into last year. Now we're really good at it, so what are you going to do exactly? And I don't know, and that's one of the interesting things. You know, you talked about them not giving up anything deep. The All-22 is not out yet. Coach's film isn't out yet, so I have no idea what Houston was doing deep. I'm assuming, considering on the amount of replays, it looked like Hill was bracketed. I'm assuming they were running a lot of two-man looks. With two safeties, yeah. Reed,
0: deep. so sorry. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna interrupt you because I have at least part of the answer. Because Reed did say after the game, he doesn't usually say stuff like this, so it stood out. He said they ran a lot of cover too. they ran a lot more zone than they almost ever do. Yes, um, that was
1: because who's the new defensive coordinator, again. ladies and gentlemen? New defensive oh, you coordinator. Learned had an idea. You learned his name? Yeah. I hear it's like a Weaver Weaver. You yeah, know who Weaver. that is?
2: Yeah, yeah, Weaver. That, yeah, I, yeah I, I heard after an early drive. It's like, oh, man, he did a great there job. It's like, it's like <laughs> Thank you, it's Al. Like, Al yes, thanks, thanks, Al. It's like, yes, Demarcus Robinson dropped the pe- bet, which, I mean, the defender made a good play the ball on the ball. Mahomes yes, probably could have thrown it like a yard yeah. deeper. And it's just like, oh, what a what a great defensive series, forcing them down. I'm like, well, that's not what happened. Come on. And, like, it, it was kind of – it was right up there with Chris Collins. With, ah, that trade's looking pretty good. <laughs> Which, I mean, you have to say it, I guess. You're
0: going to, you're going to, you're about to, you're about to, you literally, like, you're literally going to say that the Chiefs first round draft pick of a running back was definitely good after one game. I can't, I'm, I, we have to play by the same rules on small sample sizes. Anyway, go ahead, keep going. The same
2: rules are one snap and a full game? i didn't know that okay one snap in one game no, are the whatever same whatever thing. we're talking no, about like no, over the course of
0: years which was always the part like we're talking about an incredibly <laughs> small percentage no. of a of a proper sample
2: but that's all I, I wasn't thought. i don't know i don't know what we're doing here uh, josh you feel a little defensive what uh no what, i just want you there? i want you to say your Clyde edwards and lair thing so i can ask you the
0: follow-up questions that i've been sitting on for now like 18 hours or whatever. sure.
2: Well, okay, the
0: the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing. It's actually been like 12. It's been like eight hours. God, that was not that long ago. Actually, here,
2: Josh, I'm I'm going to – Nate, Your Honor, permission to treat the witness as hostile? That's – okay. Are you the witness or am I the witness? You're the witness. Um, Okay. uh, Mr. Briscoe, wouldn't you agree that situational football is important? Yes, sir. And, And wouldn't you agree that situational football is largely a case of individual snaps? Uh, Largely, sure, yes. Largely. And and individual snaps, Mr. Briscoe, are those going to show up in aggregate statistics over the course of an entire season?
0: Um, No, Your Honor, they would not.
2: (laughs) I'm the lawyer, not the judge, Josh. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) call you Your Honor
0: anyway. (laughs) So this this is what people don't... I'm sorry, old habits die hard. Seth makes me call
2: him Your Honor in private conversations, and it's honestly... It's messed me up
0: psychologically. Here's
2: here's the funny thing. You know, I got to say, I don't know. People are, like, reaching out. They're concerned on Twitter. People DMing me thinking that we're, like, really mad at each other over this issue. I don't know if I can keep this bit going, man, because you're my friend and I like you. And we largely agree on this in terms of what matters and what doesn't. And so I I wrote about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And, of course, because I am from Minnesota, so I'm super passive-aggressive. I I wrote something called "How Clyde Edwards Hilaire mattered in his first start" <laughs> because it's right. not that wasn't passive. It's not passive aggressive. That's more it's just aggressive. Yeah, that's it's more just an aggressive. That's true. I got wife. the
0: email in my inbox and I was like, "This was, this might have just been sent to me."
2: <laughs> I could have wrote Josh, comma how Clyde. Yeah, Edwards. you could have. I yes, should have. I don't know why I didn't. I think people that read my stuff would have gotten that joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> <what> a, <laughs> I don't what know what man. What a missed opportunity. Um, and so he, here here's the deal. With, with Edwards-Hilaire, there's a couple things here that, that I want to note. Um, the Texans did play a ton of zone. That probably was by design. They tried a ton of man in the playoffs, and that sure didn't work. Um, so, But the, the whole two-high too thing, that's something the Chiefs were not able to make teams pay for much last year. right? And, and I like Damian Williams a lot. I think he's a great fit for the offense, but he is not a great pure running running back. You know what I mean? So running running in empty or light boxes, not empty boxes, I'm assuming they would have been really successful running against empty boxes. That would be that that would be that would be interesting. Sorry, I just got distracted thinking about what that would even look like. Um the running at light boxes last season, the Chiefs were not very successful. I can't remember what it was, but it was like it was it was under three yards of carry running at light boxes last year, like so six or fewer. And that's something that had to change. I mean, there's still going to be a great offense without it. But if you want to add to the consistency and you want to remove options for defensive coordinators, you you want to improve on things like that, areas that you're deficient. And last night against light boxes, they they moved the ball really really well. I don't have the number in front of me, of course. I, I retweeted it earlier, and that's important they, in the terms. There was Clyde had uh, ten attempts, ninety six yards against the light box, eighty percent success rate. Nice. So you're you're talking, so 9.6 yards a carry. That's like, you know, three or four times what it was last year. Now, that's probably not sustainable. Come on. And and all of this is said with the caveat, I really do believe passing the ball about 80% of the time is what you should do. You should only be running the ball in obvious running situations for the most part, or when you've got a light box, um, or when you've got, you know, an RPO and the quarterback makes the read. Now, in the Chiefs case... That might lead to them running the ball more than you might think, at least early, right? Because everyone's going to be cheating towards the pass. And so that might be, I'm curious, and they'll never admit it, what percentage of some of those runs were RPOs. So anyway, this is all about situational stuff. It's more efficient to pass the ball, and it's not particularly close, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes. With Edwards Hilaire, though, what they were able to do was just punish a team for playing too high. Repeatedly, And that's what you want to be able to do. It's like, okay, you're going to re- light box. We're going to run the ball for nine yards of carry against that light box, which if you can do that, now you've evened out the efficiency issue. The other thing is in situational moments, you know, when you're talking like, uh, you know, you've got second and three, one of his first really good runs. Um, you're you're facing second and three. The blocking doesn't really get it done on the left side. He gets hit right at the line of scrimmage. And instead of going down, he just bursts through a couple of tackles, makes a great cut outside, gains 11 yards, right? That's situational football. It doesn't move the needle much in terms of EPA per play because it doesn't add that much. You know, an 11-yard gain, it it matters, but it's not huge. And it doesn't bounce out, you know, getting stuffed at the goal line multiple times. So, you know, in the aggregate, that's not going to really show up. In the individual situation, though, it moves the needle a great deal because it manufactures yards. And that's what Edwards-Hilaire brought. And I think it was a good demonstration of one more method of playing the Chiefs. Just light box, two men high, dare them to run, and hope that you're able to just stuff them at the line if they do. That's not going to work this year. And ideally, in a perfect world, that's going to lead to even more success throwing the ball as teams try to figure out some sort of balance here. So I don't think any of that is anything you would disagree with, Josh. So see, let's just hold hands and, and sing, man. And and one, No, it's and, not that's not true, but go ahead. Nick.
1: And one thought. <laughs> just just one thought. Um this is something that, that Chris Collinsworth did did get right. Um and this is kind of the approach that, you know, some defensive coordinators who don't need to be mentioned any more, but you probably know who that person is if i play two safeties back if i try to limit your ability to throw the ball for shot plays um you're gonna make a mistake right you, you guys are gonna make a mistake like at some point i'm gonna get you in the third long and then i'm gonna rally to the football tackle you and you'll punt or like be forced to kick a field goal like the old "Ben, don't break fellas <laughs> problem with that is the chiefs have obviously a ton of weapons and Patrick Mahomes uh, does not get impatient as he perhaps maybe would have as a first-time starter in 2018. He understands what the defense does. He sees it. He can make an adjustment or he can just, you know, call his own play if he necessarily needs to. And their timing and rhythm was really on display in a way that, hey, if he doesn't have to scramble around because – you know, there's some issue from the offensive line standpoint, they're going to be more successful at longer drives than the average NFL defense, which I'm sorry for Mr. Weaver and the (laughs) untenable task he had in front of him because, hey, you know, I didn't learn his name until he gave up 34 points, basically, (laughs) in the nicest way possible. I'm like, this is like kind of a compliment. Hey, man, you only gave up 34 points to a Chiefs team. With 60,000 fans in the stands, he honestly can keep his job for another year, basically, Mm. (laughs) Um, as the Houston-Texas defensive coordinator. The problem with that is, you know, Andy Reid does this in training camp, and I kind of mentioned it on Twitter, where they do these long drive periods where, hey, the ones are going to be on the field for 20 plays. And it's just going to be nonstop. You're going to hate the coaching staff. You're going to be like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? Uh, You're going to be gassed. Uh, But this is why. This is literally why. Oh, the Houston Texans want us to go, you know, 16 plays down the field. Okay, well, we've been doing this all training camp. Uh, We have a quarterback who mentally is not going to give in, is not going to force a ball that doesn't need to be forced. We have a running back and an offensive line that can work together to get those extra additional yards when necessary. And we have so much talent on the field from a you know from a skill position standpoint that we can make third and fives. We can make third and sixes. And we'll just be even better when you enter the red zone. Because quietly, y'all, look at them red zone plays. <sighs> and they ain't even the good ones yet. <laughs> <laughs> they not even the good. Like, somebody asked me on Twitter, hey, man, I know you watch training camp all year. And this was at halftime. How many plays have you been like, oof? Ooh, child. Um, that we actually that we actually saw on the field, and I said one. And it was a Sammy Watkins um touchdown. And it scored. Where like, yeah, where it's like, hey, why is Nick Kaiser? Oh my god, he blocked me. Touchdown. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, that's, that's the one that was play, such y'all. A
2: great inner monologue. Anthony Sherman's
1: the slot here. Oh my god, he's there's a touchdown. Like, what were we doing? so like I'm sorry, hey, coach Coach Weaver, Coach Weaver. They ain't put that on. They had no preseason games. And they when have you ever seen Anthony Sherman been in the slot? Like, how am I supposed to know what to do there? Um, so they didn't. That's the only play that was like kind of frisky, kind of new. Look, their red zone plays were gorgeous, and they ain't even the good ones. Like, so mm-hmm. if you need to go on a long drive, which I think a lot of defensive coordinators should take notes from Mr. Weaver honestly it just be like hey maybe there'll be a tip pass maybe there'll be a strip sack fumble like the more plays you have the more chances you have to like try to do something successful and the Chiefs were like if that's the way it's gonna be all year we will be better prepared because we have Clyde Edwards a now and we have a quarterback playing at the highest level who doesn't need to throw the ball deep anymore doesn't like 10 is just out there just to be out there, Tim don't ever have to catch another ball, guys. Nope. He just needs to be in uniform and people like Mr. Weaver to be like, "Yep, can't let him beat you. Can't let him beat you deep. Can't let him beat you deep." <laughs> What's the scoreboard? I don't care. Don't let him beat you deep. You know, like his longest completion. Um, let me check it, folks. Just, just let me let me get this right, because you know, I got After you. My I got it. You, you. Is a is a nope, different no, beast now. Tell him, Josh.
0: Nine yards, nope. Nineteen yards. Nineteen right, yards, folks. Nineteen yards.
1: Patrick Mahomes' longest completion was nineteen yards. He had one,
0: and I think that was probably mostly after the catch, just because it was to Watkins, and I don't remember him like
1: catching a ball nineteen yards downfield. So, if this is the if this is the rules of engagement, they they will, they they have the capability to beat you in 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 this particular way as well, and that's. I mean, that's basically what I'll, I'm going to write today is like, hey, hey, kids, um, there's one, a better place coming two, uh, Clyde at will only get better with time. Three, this offensive line looks to be, you know, more formidable than uh, than even I anticipated watching them in training camp all 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 for whatever month or so. And Patrick Mahomes don't need to throw the football along no more. But when he will throw the football along no more, you go run to the sideline and the coach is going to be like, I told you. You can't let him get over the top of you. You can't let him get over the top. Coach, he's the fastest dude in the world.
2: Play the deepest of the
1: deepest, son. Play the deepest of the deepest until we're in our own end zone. Pretend
2: that Greg Williams is he's your funny. coach and just get 40 yards deep there and just see what happens.
0: Put your heels on the end zone. Coach, they're on their own 20. Put your heels on the line of the end zone. It's awesome. Hail Mary defense. Coach, there's seven minutes left in the coach, first quarter. Yeah. Hail Mary. Coach,
2: coach, man, they've handed it off. Eight plays in a row for 60 yards. No, no, you play off, man. It's like, but, but coach. <laughs> Pat, no. and, and that's what Mahomes is doing. I really do think they ran the ball more than I would like, honestly. And on the goal line, they've... Can I, have to, I have to respond to all the nonsense
0: you said about Clyde a second ago. I've been okay. sitting here for like six straight minutes just going like, I got notes. I got... Can you hear my legal pad? Uh-huh. Let,
1: let it, let it go, let it let, go. Let, get let, it, get um, off, Josh. get So is, is Nate
0: the judge? Is Nate the judge? Sure, Nate can be sure. the judge. Get those takes off. your sure, cross. You're, you're crossing, so dismissive, Mr. Briscoe.
1: Your cross examination. Go, go ahead,
0: uh, uh, Your Honor. Permission to treat me as hostile. <laughs> so here, most of the things that you said of, uh, a few minutes ago, Seth, are fine. But I think that you, I think that you, there's a little bit going on by omission here that frustrates me a little bit, and then I think there's something that whenever, whenever you talk exclusively about the situational moments, I think, and again, I I, I think you Understand and like believe this, but I think we have a responsibility to talk about the aggregate still actually mattering. And you can say, you know, some of these situational things will keep the offense on the field. They don't show up in the aggregate. I understand that because we've been talking about it now for six months. But whenever you are are looking at this team running the ball without much success, generally speaking, on first and second down, putting themselves in more difficult third down situations, that matters. Whenever they're averaging, you mentioned that this isn't all going to show up in EPA per play, (laughs) although it kind of does they average 0.02 epa per play whenever they're they're running the ball expected points added per play most people listening to this show i think understand that now whenever you're nearly at neutral situations on the ground but you're averaging nearly half of an expected point added per play whenever you throw the ball you're choosing to do the less efficient thing and i'm not talking about running against light boxes i have no argument against that because that's good football there but the 15 times they ran the ball for a total of forty-two yards with Clyde against non-light boxes, that's poor usage. You don't want you don't want to see that, especially as you see it getting stuffed in the goal line. The other thing though is you mentioned the situational moments and you hold up like third and two as ah yes, yeah, see, this is where he created yards. And he did, I understand that. The most important situational run of this game was Anthony Sherman's run. Like he he picked up a like. Think about what would have happened if that doesn't get converted, right? Where they actually try it with Daryl Williams uh, first, and then he can't convert, and then they bring in Anthony Sherman, yeah. and he actually does. That was fourth and inches when they were down by a touchdown on their own thirty four, I believe it was.
1: Shout, shout out to the Chiefs analytics department who has and won yes, it the war against the
0: right Andy Reid. <laughs> yes, but they they go for on fourth inches from their own 34 that's a situation that mattered and they gave it to the damn fullback like you can point it at successes on first and second downs that he does pick up which again doesn't show up in the aggregate because it was very much not successful later in the game well actually throughout the game but especially later in the game but I I think you still have to acknowledge that whenever you are running the ball one time more than you're throwing it that that all of us like even even positive situational successes brought in in pairing with broader failures, I guess. Like again, statistical failures, situational failures, whatever. You you have these good moments. Are those not dragged down by the number of attempts it takes to get those successful moments? And I think the answer to that has to be yes. I, 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 it like it, it was a good game for Clyde, and it was a good game for the offensive line, a good game for the running game in the way that we talk about running the ball. But we have a totally different set of rules for how we talk about running offenses that I I thought we were I thought we were kind of advancing past, and I I don't know that we actually let have. Let me let no, me ask you a question. No,
2: no. When when were those when were those failures? At what point in the game did those occur? There were many late in the game. There they, they also in the had game, a number in the fourth of, quarter right. Running against a stack, box. not all of
0: them, not not all but of, them were. of them. How uh, many of them on their third on their third offensive drive? They were in the red zone. Clyde got stuffed on second and goal. Got back to the line, and then they threw it on that little Watkins
2: sure. screen. Like I, there, there were a number of those over the course of the game. Sure. Well, a number of them. You named one. So let's be careful. We want to be, Do you want me to do say a number? If a thing, number is fun. three, we can do that. that's a lot different than a number sounding like a much bigger number. I actually agree with what you're saying. See, this is me. I'm meeting you right here in the middle. This is me coming beneath that old Georgia pine. We're going to gain a lot of ground here, Josh, because we're both going to give a little.
0: On their seventh, on their seventh drive, it was second and inches, <laughs> and they uh, they had a miscommunication. On third and inches, Clyde went straight into traffic and got stuffed. And then on fourth and inches was the interception that was overturned.
2: Absolutely, Go all on and the goal Clyde, line. And right? then Clyde
0: got this is this is this is on. And then first and goal from the one, second and goal from the one, and stuffed, so, stuffed. Third and goal from the three, then Mahomes throws the ball. So like, let me let me ask
2: you, what's the average in terms of EPA when attempting passing from the goal line? As, a, as compor, compared to running I don't, historically. I don't know. That's actually one situation have, where it's generally more efficient today. historically right. to run the ball than pass the ball. Analytics, based on what I and it, know, right, it, and we'll, we'll look this up, wasn't. based on what I, what my understanding is, the analytics generally say you should run the ball at the goal line. So yes. I think we ought to be careful here because all it, these situations where they got he got stuffed, most of them were ones where historically it would tell you to run the ball. So I, I think uh, we we can't we can't on one hand say this is it's not but that's not but okay but the next
0: right? and again they're up at this point but if we can't use stats whenever they're up where Clyde goes for four then loses one and then third and seven he tries to get it to Clyde and it doesn't work because uh, he was lit up at, at the time they caught it like, <laughs> was- when when are we allowed to use those how much of the game is valuable in terms of these in terms of these moments and if the cutoff is just after they went up by like two scores or whatever. I feel like we're like we're we're shrinking our sample size even more, totally artificial. But,
2: but but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the numbers that you're using. You're saying the analytics say they should have done something different in the fourth quarter on the goal line, and I'm saying that's literally untrue. The analytics would have told them to run there, so the argument doesn't work there. What I'm saying is earlier no, what I'm in saying, the game. What
0: I'm saying is no, 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 no. I don't mind running it on maybe, the goal line. Yes. That's perfectly fine. They ran it on fourth inches. It was the right move. It wasn't even with Clyde. You're talking about success in situations. Sure. Those were big situations
2: that it, they did not convert sure, on. Sure, but they still did the thing that analytically they were supposed to do. So there's really no complaint in terms of. But not that's not, the not analy- what you
0: want to talk about, though. You don't want to talk we about could, the, what they did about You want to talk things. about <laughs> what they did situationally. <laughs> we could talk about two <laughs> things. You haven't though. We haven't talked about two things. You've said we want to talk about situations. I just did. And not literally, I'm I literally situations. just
2: talked about both things. <laughs> I, I, I talked about both things because I made us talk about it. No, you didn't. You said something wrong about what the analytics say about running at the goal line.
0: No, I didn't. I did not make a judgment on running at the goal line. I told you about the analytics over the course of the game and how, again, throwing the ball over in, in the broad sense. I don't have what the, what the breakdown was specifically at the goal line from last night.
2: I don't have those numbers. You, you referenced what the I'm failures saying against stack boxes, which were by and large goal line situations. And so through that... There were 15 of those. He didn't have 15 goal line carries. No, but he didn't have one either. <laughs> Both so, No, you're right, it was it was so here, here, I totally agree with a lot of what you're saying. We've got to be careful to not just lose the forest for the trees and only look at well what happens situationally here or there. I think one of the things that gets missed, so let's say we we talked about too high here. Again, with the caveat, the Chiefs should be throwing the ball the vast majority of the time. When they go to the line of scrimmage and the Texans are running too high and they've got five guys in the box it doesn't matter how successful the the rams were passing the ball in 1999 which is one of the things that analytics takes into account against a completely different defense situationally what matters is man we got a light box here and so some of the decisions that they're going to have to make given the way defenses are choosing to play them like the way the texans played them last night are going to be analytically incorrect while being specifically correct, if that makes sense. Now the key is, and I think this is where you really want to hammer in because there's so many people screaming at you about, you know, you got to run the ball to win games. You got to, and I feel bad about that because I really encourage it and people, Josh isn't wrong. About the vast majority of this, or maybe even any of it, and so just leave Josh alone. Even when I incite you, actually no, when I incite you, go ahead and do it. <laughs> but yeah, that's okay. It's not gonna work, and that's fine. That's okay. yeah. And so <laughs> I, it's it really is it really is an issue of making sure it's like everything else. You got to make sure you find some balance there because I do agree. You you you. There's a fear there that they're going to try to overuse something to the point that it it tilts away from what they do that works. And I th- is that is am I reading you right to like where that's what the fear is? Is like, they're going to just, well, hey, we got this dude. We know he's good. And so now instead, we're going to do the less efficient thing 10 times in situations where we shouldn't have. Is that kind of where the fear is? That's absolutely
0: a large chunk of it. I, the other the other thing is uh, the larger conversation we were having around draft time when it wasn't even specifically about Clyde, it was about the value of the position, is figuring out how much right. an, an, an upgrade at that position actually upgrades the unit like how much that's the actually offense. worth yeah. for for the offense as a whole right and right i i don't know man i again i feel like you're like oh yes like, like the the touchdown run was excellent and you like uh, you convert a second and three uh, second and three and that is like the shining example of clyde being worth the first round pick which i f- still think there's a chance that he may prove in this offense but i feel like we're trying to
1: give that out way too early oh well and i i, 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 I would, oh Nate, you go ahead man we've been ch- talking way too much the the uh, the thing I would say is so much of the runs I felt yesterday, and again, this is the this is the lack of information we gain in a pandemic where you just I can't talk to the offensive linemen on Zoom because they weren't available via Zoom. But I I think to not help either one of you all, uh, <laughs> I think the Chiefs use specific running plays that they felt comfortable enough for Clyde, so that in Week Four. Some of these runs were going to move or they're going to shift in a certain way. And I think just situational football from from a sense of what the coaching staff probably thought through last night is it's more representative for Clyde to maybe get more touches than you would in a complete analytical situation because he's never played NFL snaps. And I think it also helps the offensive yeah, line, too. Yeah, fine. Which is fine, but I'm just saying, like, that that might be the coaching element in all of this is, like, we're doing something that is perhaps not as efficient as possible, which, of course, the Chiefs are, are more inclined to do that over the course of the year. But I think once they realize their running back is, hey, we, we got this new guy, let's, let's push him. Um, we're not going to give him 40 carries, but, like, <laughs> you know... They, they gave him the ball more than even I would think. But I, I do feel like that is a situation where you get 10 days between the first and the second game, and now there's clear things that you can show, both the offensive line and the running back, to where this offense is going to continue to obviously mold over the course of the year. And while this may not be the best way you could use your running backs in certain situations, it should maybe prove to be something more effective when you do get in those situations better in you know later in the year, hopefully, I think is where the Chiefs are coming from. It just would have been great if I had the ability to ask an offensive lineman that or, <laughs> you know, go around the locker room in a sense to get, hey, at some point in the game, the game plan changes to where we we just want to make sure that this guy uh really gets as much experiences as he can because he had no preseason. Um and, and all of this is sort of complicated while you're also you know toying with the Houston Texans essentially. Mm. And that
0: and that argument, like that as a as a coaching reason. I mean, we we've talked about this. It's something I moved on some. There've been times where I said, "Why is Andy Reid doing that here?" And you can be like, "Well, the answer is because we're going to find out in 6 weeks why he did that thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for that. And, and and that from a coaching perspective for Clyde, I think totally tracks. And this is going to expand from like specifically Useth to more of like Twitter and and a larger even national reaction. That is a very, very different case to make than, ah, yes, the Chiefs now have a new level of their offense when i'm when I'm feel like I'm staring at it and going like, this I, I, I God, I hope this isn't what the Chief's offense looks like forever. like I, I, this is this is not the new best form of the chiefs offense.
2: I, 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 I'm sorry I laughed. It's just i I do think that um they definitely, you know, Running running some some of these, you know <laughs> some of the runs they had towards JJ Watts edge on the goal line where I was like, as they lined up, I'm like, well, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> like and uh, I, I those those aside, um, I would I, I think there's there's separate arguments probably being made. I don't think anyone who says that um you know, one game shows whether a draft pick was worth it. I mean, that's silly, right? That's that's not that you're not going to know if a draft pick was worth it, um, at least after a full year. Like I would say, like like say for example, like the Frank Clark trade. No matter what happens from here on out, I would say it's worth it because I don't think the Chiefs win a Super Bowl without him, right? Even if the, like the long-term effect is you know the salary cap blah, 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 and which I don't think is going to happen, but whatever, um and so i think there's there's just separate arguments being made there and i think for you i think the the argument is against the more extreme positions such as will this prove that they were right this proved that it unlocked this new potential for their offense you know a lot of people say make comments like oh they're gonna finally recapture what they had with kareem hunt which honestly in, in terms of in the aggregate it, it, it didn't move the needle and people have to recognize that. And that's important. I think the the more nuanced and more accurate thing to say is that, and Nate was kind of alluding to this, is it alters the way teams can play the Chiefs and hope to have success. And I think every way that you can do that does matter. Now, does that mean that it moves the needle as much as hypothetical draft pick might have? Maybe, I, I don't know. I tend to, the moment the draft is done, I stop viewing players through the prism of the draft. And maybe that's because I don't watch college football. I don't know. But I don't really care what round he was taken in or about opportunity cost in terms of potential draft picks because I view the draft as such a crapshoot. I view it more as he does move the needle. And he limits situationally, at least apparently, we'll see how things go, you know, terms of second game, third game, 15th game, he appears to help limit situationally, what teams can do against the Chiefs and be successful. And I think that's important as long as you don't end up with a net negative because they start overusing that and rather than using him as a way of keeping defenses honest, they start trying to use him as, you know, the focal point of the offense because if the focal point of the offense is anything but Patrick Mahomes, that's I'm bad. Not, yeah. So I think that does that make sense? Yes. Thanks, Nate. Yes,
0: but what and and the thing that is le- that the thing that leaves a a bad taste in my mouth is that this was a game where he had more carries than Mahomes had completions, right? And, and but I that, and I'll- and this being this being the example though that shows up as like ah oh, man, look at how much more dangerous the Chiefs are now. This is not this last night we did not see the Chiefs' best offensive form. That was not the, at them at their most dangerous. It was them at another more difficult level of of defending. But and the other question is again what what is that if that's whatever darwin thompson like that's the that's the larger question of of running back value but even moving on from that element of it like he was the focal point last night
2: right and i think the the question becomes when you're doing that not out of necessity and and that's where, where reed is claiming and and i guess you know we'll see uh we'll take a look at what the what the film shows I'd be curious how many of those were called runs right out of the gate, especially earlier in the game, um, and how many of them were you know checks at the line or an RPO and that kind of stuff. When it when if it happens fluidly, fine. You know if it happens like man they lined up six dudes in the box 35 times and so we ran the ball 30 times because it was working. They kept giving us that same look and we okay we'll put up 34 running the ball a whole buttload. Uh, for lack of a better term, that's definitely different than we're going to go into this game. You know, we're going to run the ball down their throat in four yards in a cloud of dust because that's not generally speaking winning football in 2020. And so as long as it continues, which I think it came kind of fluidly in this game, I think. Um, and then down the stretch is just you're winning by a lot, which I personally if we wanted to talk about, you know, throwing the ball more when you're winning in the fourth quarter. I'm here for that conversation because I I don't think I, would also like I don't that. think people should shift to just running the ball purely to run off the clock because I think you I think you close out games
1: by scoring not by Andy keeping the ball. Andy doesn't want to show you plays. He just <laughs> doesn't. He's 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 not going to fulfill what you want. I know. Eric, Eric being Biet- <laughs> me is like but I but I want to show this not in October, and they're gonna show it in October. Like it's True. just so much of so much of this is they they just they're all patient now. They they all get it. We don't we don't have to do. It's a long season, fellas. It's a long season. Like you, 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 we're just gonna be fellas. We're gonna be spinning in the Rose Bowl play for twenty weeks, and we'll run it in the Super Bowl. If we get there, <laughs> like, like so much of this will be, man, like it'd be great if like third and seven, fourth quarter would be nice. If we threw the football, you know, what's also nice not showing anybody this play until the divisional round of the playoffs. So they're just going to, they, 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 they found a great balance last year, mostly because Patrick Mahomes got hurt at a couple times during the middle of the season and it all kind of like mm-hmm. worked out. But I do get the sense that they're going to, they're going to have a balance all year of like. Man, we got all these plays. By the way, McCole Hartman, 20 snaps. You don't think that was intentional? Oh, it was definitely intentional because yesterday was more about Clyde than it will be about McCole Hartman. Some days will be more about McCole Hartman than they will be about Demarcus Robinson. Like It's going to be fascinating to see how much of a shape-shifting world-beater this offense becomes just because they're always going to be able to adjust to whatever they see Based on the situation, I feel like as long as everybody stays healthy, um, and that's the obviously that's the one sort of caveat in all of this. But yeah, like Andy Reid's not going to show you those plays, guys. If they're up double digits in the fourth quarter, you can turn that TV off, kids, because it's just you're not going to see anything fun other than all right, zone right, zone left, punt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. see, I see now. See now, Josh, this is where you and I can become unified because we're both just like ah, oh. but. But Andy, no,
0: because it has cost them before. Like that's not <laughs> it, that's not ironclad when you're up by like 17. It might be when you're up by 27. Right. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's a it's going to be a balance. But there were games last year, particularly in Mexico City, where it's like, why aren't they? Why like they should be up more? And it's just like, okay, I mean, I, I mean, I, they, I get it. They won big game for the defense. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll just I'll see you in January. Right. All right. Cool cool man see you in January
0: listen everybody football season is like here here like it's happening now all around us from this point until knock on wood the first week of February assuming that no pandemics get in the way it is important that you are able to not only watch these games but also watch all the coverage from around the televised universe to make sure you're not missing anything that you want to be seeing in terms of your sports coverage from, again, like all angles. And I understand this. Listen, come come on in close. I'm going to turn my chair around backwards and talk right to you because I'm a cool youth pastor. I'm a millennial. I'm not out here trying to pay for normal cable. What are you talking about? Cable? And what am I? What am I, an old caveman? No, you wouldn't be able to cut the cord, but also get all the coverage you're looking for. So we will tell you about Fubo.tv. You can get two screens at once in their standard base plan or have three screens live at one time in the family plan. If you go check out Fubo.tv, go to FuboTV.com to see all the information, all the channels you can get. They'll give you 30 hours of DVR. You get the local broadcast channels as well. So you know, you're going to get the good stuff there. If you're looking for your CBS and your Fox games last night's your NBC game, you can see your local broadcast channels through Fubo TV and get 15% off your first month, cut the cord, save some money, and also get as many screens live at once as you need. So with the NFL season now here on top of us, FuboTV will not disappoint. You can stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So you can go to FuboTV.com/athletic and get fifteen percent off your first month. That's FuboTV.com/athletic. And while the Chiefs last night clearly came out and handled their business, you got to handle yours. If you're a regular, if this is your first time coming to Times Ours, first of all, welcome. Second of all. It's very important that we empower you to do the things you got to do in crunch time. In crunch time, sometimes sometime it doesn't go as smoothly as you'd like. Maybe, uh, maybe I don't know what, to sta- you know what, I'm not going to use the phrase establishing the run because uh, I don't know what that's going to eventually lead to, so I'm going to bail on that now, but I'll tell you, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. It's easy for me because I do it every every show, but for you, it might not be. You might just brush it off or blame yourself saying, I lost my mojo, or you avoid it altogether. You throw out excuses. I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it, or man, I'm exhausted. I just watched the Chiefs have a business-like performance against the Houston Texans, and I am just absolutely drained. Well, with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. It's also easy to get help. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and we will help you here handle your business. Getting started simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash time and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash time today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash time. GetRoman.com slash time. All right, so we we there's a number of things we still haven't gotten to yet, and I will probably go we'll probably go a little bit long today, but um I, I, let's 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 do this. I want to talk about the linebackers, the the corners, and the defensive line, and you get there are guys in each group, but also each group is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's all pick. Let's each pick one. Let's each pick one defensive line, linebackers, and corners. Uh, Nate, who do you want? It's corner for me for two
1: reasons. Uh Yeah, Legereous that's the right. Sneed.
0: That's the first that's the right first pick. You got the first pick. I don't know why. Just yeah, just talked.
1: Le, to the Sneed played out of his mind kids. It will not be this way yeah. in week 2. It, it, it just it can unless, <laughs> <of famer>. yeah. <laughs> unless he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, unless he's a Hall of Famer that we just didn't know before they the Chiefs traveled him. like it, it's it's incredible what he did. A couple pass breakups, uh an easy interception that he returned pretty well given the situation that he was in. Um, look, mm-hmm. he might be the number one quarterback now because Trevorious Ward fractured his hand. And oh, that's yeah. right. We haven't seen football since February, and dudes get hurt. So, like, yeah. welcome to the NFL, Legerious David Johnson got you. You got the Texas back. Now you're gonna be guarding Keenan Allen in ten days. Oh. So look at the film, bud. Look at the film because I mean Antonio zones. Antonio Hamilton was like, Yeah, yeah. Um, Fenton didn't play much uh so yeah that was i'm glad you mentioned that yeah. that was a huge surprise for me yeah so leisurely we'll see what week two brings you but that was that was the most unexpected thing i saw last night was just him playing at a very very high level with like no no expectations whatsoever seth you want the linebackers or the pass rush? really the whole
0: defensive
2: line Um, uh, sure i'll take the defensive line you're gonna do the linebackers yep okay um, defensive line. I you know, Okafor going down's a bummer. Um, I I didn't see how long he's supposed to be out. Yeah. Uh, so Nate,
0: I, is your feel that that's the least serious of the three? That's what that's the vibe that I got, but I don't know that for a yes, fact. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh.
2: So he's he, he's not. So Okafor is not supposed to be out that long. Hopefully. Um. He. I thought he was doing all right before the injury. Um, he, he's a solid defensive end. I, I think you can see like there, there's a ceiling to, to no in, you know? he can execute stunts and twists pretty well, but he doesn't win much on his own rushing the passer. And I think you see that, um, Colin Saunders, it looked like they had a plan for him. Like they really, I think wanted to get him some snaps and that that's a bummer. Uh, they still have a lot of bodies, although, you know, now they're a little thin nose tackle wise, right? They, they're a little thin. um, Beyond that, I'm pretty encouraged by what we saw from the defensive line. Um, Jones and Clark being healthy at the same time just makes such a massive difference against the pass. The run defense looked like it stunk for the first couple drives, and then they kind of tightened up, which uh, teams aren't going to beat the Chiefs running the ball. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Barring their defense having a miraculous day, they're not going to beat the Chiefs running the ball for 150 yards. It's not going to work. I promise. So I'm not worried about that regardless, but they tightened up Spagnolo. I'm looking forward to seeing the tape because I think he coached his tail off. Like, I think that dude was like, he was just, he's like, okay, okay. Down ward too. Boz still on the sideline for the next four. Okay, okay, I got this. Y'all know how to play zone? Okay, (laughs) we're not going to ask you to to cover guys in man. Just cover a spot. So anyway, but the defensive line, sorry. I got to stick to that. Um... Seeing Clark and Jones healthy on the field, they terrorized Watson a lot of the game. Um, You know, if one's not winning, the other one is winning. And it's really fun to see. It's going to be a strength of the team provided, you know, they don't get decimated by injuries or something weird like that. Um, The Texans line isn't great, um, but it was supposed to be improved. Although, stop me if you've heard this one before. The Texans line will be improved this year. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I think it's going to be one of the strengths and Josh, you get to talk about the least fun part.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. It was still interesting though, because with the snap counts out now, Ben Neiman led the linebackers in snaps. He played 61% of the snaps for the Chiefs. Anthony Hitchens played a little under half. He played 44%. Damian Wilson played 34% of the snaps. Doriano Daniel got five snaps. Willie Gay zero on defense. And there are a lot of things in there that I would not have predicted 24 hours ago. Those are not things I would have I would have said were seemed likely to happen. We knew Ben Neiman was probably gonna be the, the main will linebacker. Um, I think that was shown largely through camp and even through like pressers and stuff. So that wasn't a huge surprise. Even though there were a couple times when I wasn't like absolutely loving him in coverage, but whatever. Um, but but he was out there a lot. We saw quite a bit of Wilson and Hitchens together, and then Doriano Daniel was out there like spying Deshaun Watson a few times. Yeah. But one of the times mm-hmm. it was just, like it was literally five snaps. One of those times it looked like a spy, and then it wasn't. And then he went and got him, and that was fun. My biggest thing is is. That there were there were at least a few times where Ben Neiman was chasing a tight end, and I thought, man, sure would be cool if that was really gay doing that, and maybe he wouldn't be chasing from quite so far away to start. And I, look, I mean, I don't. Spag said that he was working in as like Damian Wilson's backup and base, and then he had the the Buck Roll and the Buffalo Package or the Buffalo Roll and the, bu- no, yep. the Buck. No, Buck Roll and Buffalo Package. I got it the first time. And I mean, I my guess is that they never went to that specific package or used him in that specific role. That might change by matchups. What, either even if that is true, it's a little bit. It's I mean, probably more than a little bit. It's disappointing that that is the extent of his role at the very beginning of the season. I totally understand that he might not be ready for any number of reasons. I, I do get that, but like. On a night when Lejarius Sneed played uh, almost every snap and played really, really well for the second round pick to get zero defensive snaps at a position that very much could use him, I think. I think the Chiefs agreed because they drafted him in the second round. Uh, that was that was a bit of a letdown, even though the unit wasn't like awful. I would have very much liked to see Willie Gay out there.
1: Uh, is that a fair reading? Completely Nate? fair. Completely okay. fair. Like I, like I, I, I know people are like. I want to see the shorty new thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, they're going to take it really slow with Willie Gay. It's the opposite of what they're doing with Clyde. Um, and fans are just going to have to get comfortable with that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what Willie Gay's role will be defensively until really like November. If we get there, like, I, mm-hmm. I just think it will take a lot longer. We've seen this now for a year where Spagnolo really doesn't, play rookies until like he absolutely has to um mm-hmm. and so we're, we're, we'll we see where this goes but you know ben neiman has some legitimacy to him he obviously knows the system um anthony hitchens played less than i thought he would but like mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a a a strategy they've used to keep him fresh for january when like you know derrick henry's running through the line of scrimmage so again, a lot of this is this team is thinking long term in a ways that some NFL teams will never think just because they don't have the talent or they haven't been through the journey of getting from January getting from September all the way to early February. So, um it'll take some time. I know people will probably still be clamoring 10 days from now as to why Willie Gay didn't get enough defensive snaps, but um Spagnolo is going to slowly nurture him whereas like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are like we want to get Clyde as many reps as possible. And, you know, Damian Williams opted out of the season, which kind of accelerated that plan. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a different philosophy that people are going to have to get adjusted to, but it's completely fair with where the linebacker situation is that that's something that is always going to be of note as we move forward, at least for the first half of the season. I think
0: the last thing to get to last thing we have like time to get to is really something less controversial than how much you should play and pay ultimately and where you should draft running backs uh, is Nate. I'll just let you explain from your view in the press box, what mm-hmm. happened over the course
1: of the pregame. So in the most bizarre swearing event that I've probably ever covered, um <laughs> the chiefs sort of made a, I think a wise decision. To go earlier than usual, obviously NBC had kind of an understanding of when this would happen. Um, so did some of us in the press box. As I'd written before in The Athletic, they were going to do some demonstration of some kind. Uh, they stood on the goal line. Um, the NFL, in accordance with the Player Association, under my understanding, uh, had a video of Alicia Keys with Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um, if you don't know that song, I would encourage you to Google it, folks um and they trumped you listen to the word i just used they trumped mm-hmm. <laughs> the certain section of people who always want to tie this conversation to the flag they did it before the national anthem they did the they they did it in a way where coaches and players everybody basically training staff equipment everybody was on the goal line locked in arms with the ability to show you that one, like this is America in terms of population and diversity. And this is the best way that we can move as a society for positive change against, I don't know, racism, police brutality, the whole thing about social injustice. Um, If we all want to have a better life, for all of us in a more equal manner. This is probably the best image that you could put out there from a gestural standpoint. Um, then the chiefs decided to be on the field for the national anthem. It was their choice. Uh, Travis Kelsey made it pretty clear that Clark Hunt, uh, Mark Donovan, Andy Reed, the whole leadership. and you know, like, I'm assuming this includes Brad Beach as well. The general manager, like, they had the freedom to do whatever they wanted. The team, as a team, decided to be on the sideline. The Houston Texans, as a team, chose to not be on the field at any point during the pregame festivities that we are normally accustomed to. And so Alex Okafor um, was the lone Chiefs player to kneel while raising his right fist during the National Anthem. Um, And the Houston Texans came out onto the field. And in another way to show that The league as a whole, and this is mostly from the Players Association part now, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson made it very clear. We've had conversations. We think it's right for everybody to come to the middle of the field to do another symbolism of locking arms, of showing both unity, um, oneness, the understanding that, hey, you know, we just want to show the country how we would like the country to look. From a professional football standpoint, the response to that is twofold. It is fans saying this is good, and I agree with this, and I applaud the gentlemen for using their platform and NBC for showing that to a massive television audience that we don't even know what it is yet. The second response, which was inside the stadium, is that fans booed them. And in essence, booed equality. In essence, booed, you know, people who want legitimate change for legitimate reasons. We can get into the nitty gritty in another time. All of this is to say is that the Chiefs and the Texans to some degree, but mostly the Chiefs, made the decision that like, hey, we're not going to admonish those fans who booed. We're going to try to, ex- you know, explain to you. Please support us. Um, they gave the fans grace after the game that wasn't necessarily warranted for the fans who booed in an inexplicable way. It's just why um, is the question I have. I kind of know the answer already, but still, like, why are you booing equality? Why are you booing the? honest principle on the page of the how the country was you know allegedly built upon anyway that is the scene um Patrick Mahomes did not condemn the fans that booed neither did Andy Reid they mostly wanted to say this is the decision and why we came to that decision and they tried to explain it in the best way possible but we also learned this kids it don't matter how these athletes come to these decisions or how they make these decisions, some people will just never listen. They'll never get it. And their opinions have been formed. They will not be changed. And for a franchise that moved heaven and earth to have 16,000 fans, all of them being season ticket holders, uh the franchise learned, which, you know, they may have had learned this already that a certain, you know, portion of those fans are, either arrogant ignorant or just um indifferent to the idea that a football player can also be a human being um that's mostly what i'll wrap it up with you can read more of this on the athletic me and aaron reese both talked to fans before the game and then obviously woven in the player reaction to being booed and to their decisions and to their demonstrations um before the game it's a complicated story we tried our best me and aaron um, so I would encourage you to read it to get more as much information as we could provide. Um, and I, again, in the weirdest professional sporting event I've ever covered, uh, most fans in the stadium understood what the chiefs were trying to do. Most fans in the stands. I understand. Can consciously know why the Texans made their decisions. And then there are other fans who are ignorant and, really booed equality. Let me repeat that sentence. Fans booed equality. But this is, you know, this is a reflection of the country in a sports context. I think
2: that was a really good uh, summation. And um, so to break the fourth wall or whatever you call it here, um, I I was actually texting uh, while Nate was very eloquently stating what I think with a lot of man, just a lot of truth there. Um, I was texting that I, I got to go. I just got a bunch of in custody and stuff, but I stuck around because this is important. And I understand like, if, if, if you're someone who the moment Nate and Josh started talking about non sports related stuff immediately tuned out, I, I would just encourage you to, uh, to at least listen because we're, we're not, people aren't listening to each other and that's problematic. And, and, you, you see that reflected in what you said is that they basically the the, the Chiefs which I thought was an interesting direction to go and, and you, I some sharp decision making they're saying okay we are going to remove any option of making this about what it's not okay we've heard people say well anytime you do it this way it's going to be about this and that and the other thing right and they say okay fair enough now should they have had to give ground on that I, I don't think so necessarily but They did. Right. And they said, "Okay, fine. We're going to move it to a different time because you said that we're making it about this and about troops and about the flag and about patriotism. What we're going to do is we're going to shift the time now and make it to where it's not any possibility that you can take this as us disrespecting people that we're not trying to disrespect. Um, And Mahomes has talked about this pretty eloquently, I think. They did that, mm-hmm. and you still got a reaction. And I do think it's worth noting Twitter was filled with a bunch of fans that were like, I was there. It was mostly a few jackasses. I mean, it was loud enough on TV to where I would say it was more than just one or two, and that's got to be acknowledged, right? In order to, to if you want to effectuate change, you have to acknowledge bad actors and not just kind of ignore them because they're the vocal minority. You still have to just acknowledge that existence, say that's not cool. That I mean, right? That's like a minimum standard, I think. To acknowledge it and not immediately try to well, it wasn't most people. Great. But first acknowledge that it happened and it wasn't okay. And then if we want to have a different conversation, I guess. But but we can just even stop there. And so there were a lot of cheese fans that want to know that like, you know, fans tried to cheer at the end to maybe kind of like counteract the the people yelling stuff in the middle. I would just say this if your immediate reaction, I get that people are burnt out on stuff. I get it. I really do. Um, but just being burnt out on stuff doesn't mean that it's not an issue. And just because you don't really want to hear about it doesn't mean that maybe you shouldn't hear about it, right? There's a difference between the things that we that we want to talk about and that we need to talk about. And it's it's important to keep in mind good-willed people um, attempting to do the right thing. I actually had a really unique interaction um, watching the game i was at my sister's house and i didn't get permission to tell the story but i'm going to really quickly and then i just absolutely have to go so for those of you who think of it as about the flag about patriotism no matter what it is right i was watching with a really good friend of my sister's who is a a a veteran who served over in iraq during wartime okay a good good person i actually went to high school with her um, she, I, I had a conversation with her before the game. I was like, well, how do you feel about all this stuff? You know, do you feel like it's about the flag and the anthem? And she said, you know, she's seen some things. She said, I would prefer not be during the anthem, but I understand why people are doing it that way. So she was kind of lukewarm on it. She didn't necessarily like it. Um, but it wasn't like the end of the world, right? Which I think should be, we're talking about a combat veteran here, right? You want to talk about the people mm-hmm. that fought and saw some mm-hmm. stuff and did mm-hmm. some stuff and it, it's had an effect on this person. And, and, and she was still, well, this is their right. And that was important to her. Mm-hmm. And that, that means, you know what? That means it's important, period. Um, they, they, when they, they did the whole thing where they stood for the anthem, she said, you know what? It seems like they're really trying to make it clear what it's about, what it's not about. And she actually looked pretty moved. She said, I really appreciate that they're even trying to do that because they didn't have to. And she's right. They didn't have to, because I I think there were some diversionary things going on there that I don't think are okay. But I think they're okay. Okay. There's some goodwilled people that are really just hung up on this particular aspect. So we're going to move it over here. And what this person, so if you are someone who's still saying it's about patriotism or the flag, whatever, just know that this combat veteran who has very likely, and I mean this with all due respect, sacrificed a great deal more for this country than you have, was absolutely 100% okay with it and you should be too and and if you're not you gotta ask yourself maybe you're trying to force your opinions on people and doing it in a way that's claiming why well, do want opinions forced." I mean no no you want to force your opinions on other people you want to tell people what to do and when to do it and and I gotta tell you you don't want people doing that to you don't do that to other people right? the golden rule that seems pretty simple I, I just wanted to share that story because I think it's important That people understand what things are about and what they aren't. And whether or not you're trying to impose your will on someone else. And that's not okay. You are not in charge of other humans. They have freedom too. So I actually have to go. I've got a zillion criminal complaints to get to. Uh, Nate, I really appreciate what you had to say. The chiefs look awesome. I appreciate you guys a lot. Josh, even you.
0: So breaking, I think the the second fourth wall. We lost Seth for a minute in there, but he finished his thought. And so if I say something that accidentally contradicts something that Seth said, I apologize in advance because I may not have heard it. But um, one thing that, that a point that Seth made that I did hear that uh, I guess is going to just be me being publicly discouraged for a moment. Is like the 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 idea of hey they re- the Chiefs really went out of their way here and even the Texans by just staying inside of the anthem both went out of their way to say like hey we're not we're not even doing this around the national anthem and the flag anymore because we want to make it clear that's not what we're doing. Two parts of that frustrate me. Um, one is that like. Kaepernick did that. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the way he went from sitting to the knee and, like, talked about how it mm-hmm. wasn't about the military or America as a whole. I mean, it, America as a whole, to some extent, I suppose, but it wasn't about the military. It was about, um, like, the black experience in America. Like, that's where it's really started from, then it even kind of got more specific as Kaepernick went on. So, like, the idea that this is the first time that— and Seth didn't say that. I don't mean to put that in, those words in his mouth. But the idea that this is, like, all right, they're finally now, you know, saying what it's really about just isn't true. I mean, that, so that's a little frustrating. The other thing, though, is even with that being so clear here, then what? Because it's still— uh, and I, I didn't hear this on the broadcast, but I saw some people tweeting about be- there being booing when they went down and kneeled, like, during Lift Every Voice and Sing. Like, why? Because like, some, apparently some some players kneeled, not all of them. But, like, there's booing there. And then there's smatterings of it, or at the very least, a, a lack of respect for a requested moment of silence when it says Black Lives Matter on the video board. Like... Whenever, whenever that still happens, whenever they are essentially playing by the rules set by others, I it makes me, maybe, maybe the purpose that it serves is to help clarify who we do and don't need to listen to, because if you're still mad, you're probably, you, you don't actually have a problem with the method, you have a problem with the message, and I think that's for a lot of people been true the whole time. Not everyone. I've talked to plenty of people that that would maintain that they've never had a problem with the message. They had a problem with the method. That excuse is going away though now. Like people are going to have to to make their call on that now if they haven't already, which they probably should have by now.
1: Yep, everything there is true. I would like I will add two things. Um, the Chiefs will continue to have fans in the stadium for the foreseeable, at least for the first three games. Uh, the Chiefs will probably continue to do some level of demonstration moving forward. Secondly, um, because it was the first game back, it just carries more significance because um Jacob Blake, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ashad Aubrey. Um it just it just it just carries more weight and the response is significant in a um in a in a difficult manner to 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 you know try to see uh where this is all headed so many nfl stadiums will be empty on sunday that you're not going to hear an audible response mm-hmm. to what some nfl players or teams as a whole want to do um nba had that also yeah yes so yeah. This will probably not be the last time we talk about it. And I just want to make that clear. And it's probably not going to be the last time the Chiefs do something based on everything that I've kind of learned over the course of, you know, this year. Um, but they, they tried to checkmate a few people. They tried to checkmate a certain mm-hmm. folk that said, I don't, I don't want football and this to be intermixed. They checkmated them in saying that, like, well, I didn't give you the ability to sort of use the flag as your, you know, protective cloak. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you say faith, family, football.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to some people, that's very important. And to other people... Equality, justice, and the ability to voice your opinion for what you believe it is right in the country, and football, can also be in the same sentence and thought process and uh, philosophy as well. So, um, this isn't going to be the end. This is kind of a beginning. Rough start. Um, but some fans cheered. Some fans booed, and that is kind of uh, a mini example of America.
0: Yeah. Uh, We could probably talk about that a bunch. The one thing that that, I guess the last thing that I'll say just that stuck out very much, you you thought that uh, the goal was to get somebody in checkmate and i think i it didn't work but what it may have done is at least help people understand that a lot of people say they're playing chess and absolutely are not. Some people are playing settlers of catan and you're like wait a second i thought we were playing chess and you're like nope three sheep i need three sheep i rolled a 6. Uh like that at the very least i guess if that is acknowledged maybe that helps. Also got a settlers of catan reference in the podcast and only took like a year of times ours. So there's another there's a personal victory for me. Um the one, I guess one other thing real quick, Nate, that um, is less—this I, I, is not a value judgment, but I was surprised by what happened during the anthem from the Chiefs' perspective because they talked so much about unity, like mm-hmm. Andy Reid to Sam Madison yep. to Patrick Mahomes to Tyron Matthew to Travis Kelsey. Every time somebody asked in a press conference— um, What are you guys going to do? What's the demonstration going to be? They said, well, we haven't figured that all out yet, or I'm not going to talk about that, but we're all going to be unified. Clark Hunt will be with us. Mark Donovan will be with us. Andy Reid will be with us. All of that. And then during the anthem, again, this isn't a value judgment, but this is this was a surprise to me. There were some dudes that were standing out, like on the field, a little like angled in towards the flag, and you know, standing at attention. There were some guys link standing but linking arms. There, were, there was Alex Okafor on a knee with his fist up. There were some guys with their hands on Alex Okafor's shoulders. Um, that was surprising to me that it was as disjointed as it was. And again, if they say, "Hey, our our play here is going to be to let everyone do what they want to do, and then to know that we're going to have their back," that's fine that's just not at all what they laid out as the plan over the, I mean, over the months that we've been talking about that. So I'm, I was surprised by that. And I was curious if you were also.
1: This again is where it would have been beneficial if, you know, we weren't in a pandemic (laughs) where I Mm -hmm. could have gone through the locker room and being, you know, covering this team for a number of years and knowing guys on this team for a number of years, we would have gotten some real, some real honesty and some levity to, to, to the situation. Because we're doing it on Zoom because of a pandemic and we're trying to keep everybody safe, and obviously that's the number one goal. That's a top priority. Completely understand that. Um, you only we only got three players, y'all. Like we only talked to three players. Well, excuse me, four players after the game. Um, and or was it three? I can't remember now. It was Clyde, Patton, Travis, uh, and, and Tyron. It was it, four. So yeah, it was four. it was four players, guys. I, I just you know, four guys on a fifty three team, you are only gonna get so much. Um, and I, I I just get the sense that there was enough friction, positive, I want to make this clear, positive friction in the Chiefs locker room. And this is my understanding of it. There was enough positive friction that we're going to do something together in unison that has nothing to do with the National Anthem. Again, we're going to trump the National Anthem because we're going to do something before it ever got close to being that portion of the pregame routine. They cut off their pregame drills early so that they could do this, so that they can show themselves as a true football family to their fan base and to the rest of the country in unison on the goal line. But there was enough positive friction, enough conversation that, you know, I assume Alex Okafor was really strong on being like, I want to take a knee for this reason, that reason, and the third, and whatever else, you know, whether that's what has gone on this summer, whether he feels very strongly about the Black Lives Matter movement. It would have been great to talk to him in the locker room. He also got an injury, and so that complicates things. But, like, later on in the year, hopefully we get that information and we'll bring that to you both, whether here or or on the website. But I think there was unison and unity in what they did to begin. And then they basically said, if you want to have your individuality displayed, If you want to express yourself as your own within the family, within the organization, within the team dynamic, you have the national anthem to do that. Um, That's the best answer I can give without being in the locker room. And this is what we miss. I I, I just have to explain that. Like, a pandemic sucks. But if you really want to get to know these guys, you kind of got to be around them. And so if we're doing this on Zoom, it'll just feel a little different and we won't get as much in I won't be able to go from one player to the next as quickly as I used to, um, you know, when the coronavirus wasn't ravishing our country. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to to just present the information as best I can in the context of this crazy world. Um, but I think to answer the, I think to answer your question, Josh, it was smart for the Chiefs to be as one but to still give you the right to express yourself individually. Um, And so they found a nice balance. And I think it's commendable that Clark Hunt, um, you know, lifted the trophy and was like, you guys do whatever you want. And like, there's not going to be any criticism. There's not going to be any, you know, uh, ramifications to you in terms of like, you know, where your career goes from here. That is clearly a difference from four years ago. So he's shown some growth, but other people, um, who pay lots of money and you know to watch the team, to support the team, to watch the team in a pandemic, have not shown growth or have um, maybe further entrenched themselves in their position. But uh, the Chiefs want to show unity and they also want to give themselves the ability to individually express themselves. And that's going to be the case, I think, for much of this season. We'll wrap it up on that then. Um, uh, two story. You mentioned the story that that
0: went up uh, very late last night, early this morning. I guess it was early this morning. Um, none of I don't know the difference between last night and this morning at this point. It's all one block of time that I slept for a small portion of. But the story uh, from post game that Nate's got up right now, up on the athletic at the moment, kind of taking a closer look at that with some help from Aaron Reese, and also a fantastic story that that went up. Uh, before the game that we didn't talk about one bit here today <laughs> on the podcast uh, is about Patrick Mahomes. It should have been called Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a Unicorn, and then I would have talked about it today. Um, but that that article is like a billion percent worth your time. So you can check that out up at The Athletic as well. This is my promo for it. Also, uh, always a deal to be had at theathletic.com slash times ours. You can check it out there. You can follow all of us on Twitter as well, uh, at By Nate taylor, at real MN Chiefs fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. Uh, football is back, which means we're also back to a twice a week schedule. I, I, I will have one early next week. I was going to say it'll be Monday, but you know, sometimes I overpromise and underdeliver, and I don't want to do that to you. So we'll have two episodes again next week. Uh, we'll get to look at like other football being played. That's my, I tell you what, Nate, the, maybe the best, the worst part about a primetime game like that is that, uh. I gotta figure out if I'm awake now for the day, or if I'm gonna go try to go back to sleep at some point. <laughs> but the best part is that we're gonna just sit on a couch and watch football for
1: 12 hours on Sunday, and that is a blessing. The Red Zone Channel is on YouTube, oh. and it couldn't oh. it couldn't come at a greater time, Mister Briscoe. Oh, I love the
0: Red Zone Channel. Oh, the oh. Red Zone Channel.
1: Oh, I love it like it was my family. Let's have unity. Let's have equality and let's have the red zone. Like it's not that oh, hard,
0: people. It's not. Put that. Hey, hey, NFL, write that in your end zones. All right, you wrote end racism and it didn't work yet. So go ahead and put. Go ahead and put equality, football red zone. That that. There's something we can all unite for. I guess that's probably the end of the show. I don't know. Say it again, Nate. Say it again in your. You know what? Hold on, Nate. Give me that one more time in your morning. Didn't sleep very
1: much. Voice, and then that's the end of the show. All right, guys. Um, long night. Glad to be back. Let's just. There's a lot of things to review. Let let's let's go through the tape, and I just want to prioritize some, you know, a couple things. Um, <laughs> equality. Mm-hmm. Unity. Yes. Red zone. Let's go. <laughs>